Oh, all right, let me see what we're dealing with here. Remember who you are. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is the Alternate Cut Podcast. Uh, my name is Akin Osterk, and I'm joined by Alf. And Ryan. And uh, we're all into the film industry in some way and have like a big passion for film. And some of us actually work in there. Some of us aspire to work in there. Uh, but our goal here is to talk about movies and particularly movies that are you know, known for not being maybe the greatest or just, you know, not the most successful. Um, so we are going to be talking about The Lion King today. And no, not the classic 1994 version. We're talking about the John Favreau, uh, the, the mega hit of the 2019 <laughs> remake that is The Lion King. Um, and what the goal for today is that after we get over our kind of uh, review portion of the film, we're going to try and rewrite this thing to see if uh, it could have been saved or if it was even worth saving. Um, but yeah, let's start off with the whole review aspect of this. So Ryan, uh, you, as well as us, we have a lot of strong opinions <laughs> on this movie, but uh, yeah, let's start feelings. with you. Yeah, what would you like to say about it? Listen, you get exactly what this movie is in the opening shots because the very first song is literally a shot for shot remake of the original it's just a little prettier that much is true it is shot for shot there are a lot in there it's just this okay this movie doesn't need to exist (laughs) there's no other way around it it's just it exists because it's going to make money. It's the only reason it exists. The cast is stupendous. It looks beautiful. The movie falls flat because there's a better version of it already out. Definitely. And the whole time you watch this, you just kind of think to yourself, why? That's like the big word that comes to your mind. It's not, oh, I'm watching The Lion King. It's not, oh, this is a cool remake. It's just, why? Why did this have to be made? Why was it even considered? Who? Who okayed this? Why did they okay it? How was it made exactly? Uh, Alf, what would you like to say about it? I mean, like, I'm going to add on to what Ryan said about the intro. The movie, it, it delivers what it promises. Like, you can't get mad about that because essentially it is at its core. Just Lion King with the 4K texture pack. <laughs> Not that it works for the, for the movie itself. But, like, I don't know if I want to start getting into the positives now or the negatives. Yeah, now. you can you can get into whatever you'd but like. Imagine imagine if you were watching the original Lion King and then they took out all the facial expressions. Yeah, that's that's like one of the big negatives. Like Disney is known to be able, especially the Golden Age, which I consider that VHS age from like the '90s to the early 2000s, like that. Like they've been known to like kind of like give like human like character or humanize pretty much whatever they can think of, right? Right down to pots and all that. So that's the whole Disney charm. That's what was a part of what made Lion King good, the original. So why did they take that away? <laughs> why did <Yeah>. they just... <laughs> and even, like, some of the other remakes, like, when you watch them, there is some new, like, twist to them or some extra, like, element that just kind of makes them, like, obviously not fantastic, but, like, it still makes them a little bit different and it still makes them unique despite, like, being overall the same story but you don't get that with the lion king like with cinderella's remake i don't know if you guys saw that or even the beauty and the beast and the aladdin ones they they have like some different touches that make things a little bit more unique in comparison to like the source material they're based off of right which would be the films of the 90s but this one is just like they don't they don't throw anything new in yeah the environment looks beautiful and like ryan was saying the cast is amazing but like there's such a weird disconnect because the voices just don't fit on the hyper-realistic 
visuals that you're seeing and it's it's just kind of a shame it's just kind of sad because you could have done a lot with this i think or you could have just not done it to be honest but it is what it is it is what it is i was gonna say like they were able to uh kind of with the jungle book they approached it with the same style right but even then just like looking back at clips of the way like baloo's faces like animate and all that like and beyond that including um Oh my goodness, I forgot the uh, name of the uh, orangutan. King, King Louie. King Louie, yeah. Even him, yeah. Uh, they were like, they're, they're, you were, they were still able to characterize it. And if I'm not mistaken, John Favreau also directed that. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you were able to do it to a much better degree, then why? <laughs> why this? They should have just cast Bill Murray as all the lions in this. I think it would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray as Garfield as a lion. <laughs> Man. Mondays. That's kind of it. Do you guys, what would you guys rate this movie? Because the original, like, there's also that other argument to be made, right? Where it's like, the original is so good. And, you know, this one is almost, well, it's not almost, it's the exact same story with a couple, like, extra shots of animals doing animal things. Um, but the original is like a great, like, damn near 5 out of 5 kind of movie. Like, what, what would you guys give this one? Is there, is there anything to be said in that, like, even though it's the same story? story there's like a redeeming quality to it or well i mean overall this movie just feels like the reason for our boy john favreau to play around with a vr headset and get paid because to be honest <laughs> most of the direct most of the direction was done by the two the two fellows who directed the original one and a little bit of shakespeare in there but like this isn't something that neither one of them should be proud for so my official number rating is uh i give this movie 89 simbas witnessing their father's deaths oh. out of 267 oh my god Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> yeah, I'd say if uh, if like a Rosencrantz is bad and uh, a Polonius is good, this movie is like a oh, Laertes no. for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, now we'll um, now that we've kind of got that out of the way, and you know, I'm sure it'll periodically come up our negative feelings towards this film. Uh, let's kind of move on to the main meat of what this. Uh, the main grub of what this podcast is all about which is kind of about like taking these borderline irredeemable movies <laughs> and trying to see if like we could have come up with something better like if disney had tasked us with hey guys remake the lion king what would we have come up with so uh oh we'll let you start with this one did you have anything uh different or unique to bring to the table with this uh so i'm pretty sure this is on all of our minds right now but my first step would be to just not make this movie. nice yeah, yeah um, pass. But... give it to somebody else <laughs> but then there's also like opportunity so to speak so just to preface um this movie doesn't take i did research on this because i was like thinking of like how they can pull like a classic disney style where they take like folklore and kind of implement into a new story right so this movie doesn't really take place in anywhere specific in Africa. It's just kind of inspired from like one of the Kenyan national parks, Hell's Gate. So I'm, there's two options here. So I'm going to propose a prequel, but there are two ways to uh, approach this in terms of visual. Like, okay, let's just say three. Two of them are animated. One of them is going to be like where everyone kind of looks like a not so goofy sped 3D animation. Not, not as far as good dinosaur where you have like the hyper-realistic backgrounds and like the Play-Doh characters but uh something like along the lines where all the aesthetics fit together or i mean just go 2d animation because technology is more robust now and we're able to do it with like not as much of a big cost if i'm if i'm not uh, mistaken oh no, uh, yeah it's it's usually easier i think from what i understand about animation that 
when you create a 3D, when you rig a 3D character, it's a lot easier because at that point you just kind of move it. Whereas even in the 2D animation, I'm not quite sure if there's a way to do it. I also don't know the industry standards for 2D animation, I see, but yeah. I still think in a way, in whatever program you're using, you still have to kind of add another layer on top and then redraw everything. So it okay. is still a little bit more time consuming, I think. But I mean, um, it has yeah. a lot to offer. It like does. It, like immensely more. Even if we look the movie that we're looking at right now, as it is, if it was just two D animated, that'd be great. You want to know something wild that already exists, and that's <laughs> pretty great. So <laughs> then there's option three, where you give it the Mulan treatment, go full live action, scrap all the music, kind of make it like I don't know Disney's way of apologizing of whitewashing casts back in the day. So whatever uh, they are, they're going for. But essentially, at its core, I propose a prequel based on this uh, folklore story where it's essentially... The translations were rough when I was reading into it, but there was this one story about... What's the word? Um, it's called Two, Ste Two Stepbrothers Who Were Good Friends. That's the direct translation from what I'm assuming. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. a thrilling title. I know, I know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be called that. I mean, maybe it would, but... Um, <laughs> so now there's like... Essentially, it's a Maasai. Like, that's a Kenyan slash... Uh, Tanzanian tribe but it's like a story based on that where there's like so the gist of it is kind of like the evil stepmother type deal where like there's okay. a dad he has a kid with another wife the wife dies so he remarries and has a kid with her she loves her own kid but hates the stepkid so essentially she tries to kill him okay but the two kids like gang up and kill her well wow well I mean like <laughs> minus all the murder and stuff what I'm proposing is a prequel where it's like the story of Mufasa's and Scar's upbringing so essentially how this would work is Mufasa's the original son, so he's almost a neglected one. Mm -hmm. Again, was shockingly. And Scar's the one that's preferred. So, like, that whole situation goes oh, on. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, you're going that route. No, yeah, exactly. So, um, they would have obvious treatment differences, even to the point where the supporting characters might joke about the mom killing Mufasa, uh, which is um, what she attempts to do after the father passes. So, the lineage would have gone to Mufasa because he was first in line, right? So, what well, she would try and, like, kill her more, like, as the folklore went put him in a hole and put a stone over it of course during this time Mufasa escapes like assume they're around like 8 to 12 years old and he tries to find his way back to either Pride Rock or like the whatever if it's like a live action form maybe some tribal um, area that they have uh, populate or even like Wakanda style fictional yeah kind of deal so like he tries to find his way home and during this time he meets people like Rafiki or uh, Zazu as well on nice. his adventure back Meanwhile, Scar, who they were tight, by the way, growing up. Okay. Meanwhile, Scar is just like, why did he leave? And the moms kind of says something manipulative that someone around that age would believe. Like, he hated you or something like that, so he wanted to hurt you and you left. He doesn't buy that, so he goes on his own adventure. Despite this, there's a third plot going on where the mom is essentially trying to do, like, it's very parallel to what we have right now as Lion King, where she's trying to, like, hook up a deal with the hyenas, where the hyenas, if they guarantee that Scar becomes king for her, she'll let them come into the Pride Lands okay so that whole thing is going on so yeah scarred anyways dad's mom goes looking for uh simba then meets comes across the Wait, hyena Mufasa, my bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> see like no that's how parallel there are. yeah simba, yeah. simba doesn't exist quite yet so there uh he goes on he comes and scar comes across the hyenas who kind of what's the word pulled a darth pelagius thing in terms of seducing him to go like to just not bother with it but in the meantime like so he kind of goes back and stops looking for him okay I hope it's not too convoluted by this point. 
I think I kind of get the gist of it. Yeah. It's like Mufasa kind of runs away mm-hmm. and then Scar goes. No, he gets like sent. Like that's oh, what like, he sorry, thinks. Oh, sorry, he gets exiled. Yeah, Scar thinks he ran away, but he's yeah. like, I don't buy it. Because but then the Scar. Father, the father yeah. passes. Mufasa gets exiled. Yes. And then Scar's manipulative mom decides to, you know, like poison Scar and, and then work the hyenas yeah, too. I see. So like she does that. She's kind of like a Cersei character from like Game of Thrones who just kind of don't wants to be in yeah. charge of everything, I guess. Like even then right? at this point, so like they can have like whole sequences where the hyenas are looking after uh, hunting for Mufasa too at the same time, kind of have that whole action element there. Mm. But then eventually, like years later, almost like how Simba grows up with uh, Timon and Pumbaa here, Mufasa does return. Okay, so, like, Scar and Mufasa don't ever, like, interact with each other in this for a long time. No, for a long time, because they uh, because they both think that, like, they both wanted the other person dead, right? Mufasa returns, and then since, uh, and then, like, kind of accuses the mom of trying to kill him. But, and since many people would believe that because she, like, openly expressed her, what's her, preferential treatment to her own son, she, uh, they all uh, kind of put up as a challenge where she's, he's like, listen, like, let me take you on. If I win, I'm, like, uh, you're out, kind of deal. Then she, in turn, sends Scar as her champion to do that. Oh, jeez. So that's where they fight. This can explain whether Scar was actually named Scar before getting the Scar, or if, you know, and then so on. Then, and then like, before, like, kind of killing him in blind rage, she realizes what's going on. Then, like, he's like, I've beaten him. You're exiled. So that's what happens to the mom. And then the mom kind of, like, goes and gets, what's the word, uh, goes back to Hyenas to report her failure. And the Hyenas, like, well, meets back on the menu and they eat her. <laughs> well, meets back on the <laughs> like, menu. But neither one of the kids legs. know, right? Scar is just angry at Mufasa because of what he thinks and knows. And Mufasa is kind of, like, what's the word, uh, resentful towards Scar. But even at the end, like, the epilogue would be, like, he kind of shows regret for what he did. And he's, like, wishes he could take it back. And then it would end right as Simba's getting bored. Kind of okay, fair enough. I think that's a cool idea. I, I will say that I feel like even though, like, you've kind of, um made things uh like a little bit more like child friendly and more sensitive i still honestly feel like that that movie would be better off as not even like an animated thing yeah i think i think honestly if they gave it like i hate to say this but like a cat's treatment but like not like like, you know no no no. but listen (laughs) listen to this not like um not like a cat's treatment in terms of you know like make these guys like humanoid cats like i mean like like more like the broadway lion king treatment where you like you have your actors right and then you have them in this like like authentic and genuine african kind of tribal gear and then it's more of like a story where they're like kind of like they could be acting a little bit more like lion like and kind of stuff like that <laughs> i'm just, honestly i'm telling you Cats. that could be that could be right there a more lions. cultural thing lions, i just the feel musical. like yeah lions the <laughs> musical but i'm saying like like i honestly think that it could be kind of cool like obviously they're not I in my brain I feel like I'm not able to like broadcast this well enough because I feel like starting off with the whole term of making it like cats was a very bad way to go about <laughs> this. Now I can't see it any other way. Yeah, and and that's that's my fault. But like the way I would imagine is that it's more of like the Broadway Lion King style, and it's a movie that's like that, and it's like you can advertise it as the Lion King because it is a Lion King story at the end at its core. It is a Mufasa and Scar story, but like. I just don't know if the animated thing would work personally, Ryan. What do you think of that? Uh, as long as it doesn't look like this one, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, nothing else. Or... As long as as long as you have characters that can actually express their emotions as they're speaking them, like I would, I'll just go watch Homeward Bound if I want to see <laughs> oh animals God. not have any emotion. <laughs> Man, no, yeah, but like the story idea, I think is pretty cool because um, 
before we get into Ryan's, I wanted to quickly uh, get into like my idea as well, because mine is also a prequel. And as far as I know, Ryan, you had something to like actually kind of work with what we do have, right? Yeah, mine's an, mine's an alternate ending. Exactly, yeah. So like in my thing, because, and usually like, ideally on this podcast, we do kind of come up with ideas that don't completely rewrite <laughs> the movie, like what we do right now. But this one is like, it's basically a copy and paste of the movie in a newer format. And it's just like, Man, like, we can't do anything but, like, rewrite it. Except for Ryan. Ryan's actually got, like, some cool stuff to, like, make this different and unique and give it the Disney remake treatment. Thanks, man. But my idea was that it was also going to be a prequel. And I mentioned this uh, before, but it's going to be, like, it would be following a young Scar and young Mufasa. And it's not going to be necessarily, like, a coming-of-age thing like yours would be, where it would be, like, you know, uh, Mufasa and Scar really grow, like, in terms of age and stuff. They'll still be, like young at the end of it but like the way i had it in mind is that you have this father and it's basically like a whole whole like odin uh mufasa uh sorry odin thor loki <laughs> and then mufasa scar and their father's kind of dynamic where like mufasa in this case is the favorite child right and then scar is the one that's kind of different whether it's like it there's also debates that like it's not even his child per se but he must have like taken it in kind of thing right so it's just like obviously like he gets the sh the the worst end of the stick <laughs> where it's just like mufasa gets like the glory the treatment all that sort of stuff and then scar just gets like scar's the one that's kind of exiled and it's and it's more a, a movie about scar rather than mufasa do you know what i mean so yeah. he's kind of like the protagonist and in a way mufasa kind of becomes the villain but basically the way i had it uh planned out is that the father like kind of starts falling ill right and he can't really do anything and then he actually does die pretty early on and Mufasa just has this like all this pressure and stuff like that to kind of do right by his father not be his own person but be the the person that his father was essentially right which is like it's it kind of comes down to it's a mirror of what the original Lion King is where Simba just doesn't even bother because he knows he's never going to be a Mufasa but that's not the point of the movie right it's not about become just like Mufasa it's about finding yourself and being like using these teachings to like discover who you are and how great you can be based on what you've learned right um so mufasa kind of goes about that where he's trying to be his father whereas scar in this is actually like different scar is like he's more idealistic he's like trying to be a lot cooler but he keeps getting like shut down and everything so then i had this idea where it's like you know you start seeing that connection between scar and the hyenas because the hyenas are also outcasts, right? So you see that Scar gets more along with the hyenas as a cub mm -hmm. than he does with his own kind, with the lions, right? So, like, that's where you get that connection. And then I don't have everything fully flushed out. I was thinking there could be, like, different, like, lion prides. And then Sarabi gets involved, which could be, you know, cool and whatnot. Little, like, little sprinkle of cameos in there. And I was thinking that I don't actually remember, and I'm sure this is something that like exists like i feel like these guys have been at pride rock for a long time but i was thinking that it would be cool where it ends where they find pride rock but basically the scar and it does also kind of end with like a battle between mufasa and scar except they're not grown grown people and then they kind of are forced to team up to kind of drive the hyenas away because they start invading their like territory because of scar and scar gets used by them but then that kind of becomes a parallel to the the original Lion King where Scar is the one manipulating the hyenas, but it still doesn't play out well for him at the end of it. But that was kind of my idea, where it's just like young Mufasa, young Scar, 
not necessarily growing up, but like really like at that like moment in time where they're like really developing because they're forced to develop because the, the father is gone and they're the ones that are being looked up to. Um, and just basically like a story of the outcast that is Scar because it's like it's it's not really his choice to have been born. He didn't really have a say, <laughs> but it's kind of like sad to like see like someone's like descent into madness. Do you know what I mean? Especially when he starts off being so promising. It's like the whole Anakin Skywalker arc where he starts off as like, you know, like the prodigal son. And then you see him slowly turn. You see an attack of the clones that he doesn't like sand. And then you see from that point on, he becomes evil and and it just changes. The sand changes everything for him, right? And that's obviously a joke. But like, you know, that was kind of my idea. Um, and yeah, like the overall themes in that is like just finding yourself as like a constant process. It's not like a one eureka moment, but also like it can go the wrong way too. When you let your failure define you, which is what happens with Scar. Failure is not a bad thing per se. It's something that you like use to like get better, but Scar just stays in it. And that's why he ends up so villainously evil in the next one. Evil which is the Lion King. But yeah. And it's good because as far as villains go, Scar's pretty flat. It, like, like the beginning the original, of the movie, yeah. you, he's, he's, he's bad because he's jealous, and that's it. That's his whole driving thing is that he is jealous of what Mufasa has, and that's his whole character definition, yeah. other than <laughs> his name being <laughs> a, a literal scar on his eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have a backstory for a character like that because you don't really know like obviously he's jealous and in a kids movie that's fine because they're they, they need an antagonist but like it would be interesting to have a backstory to an antagonist like that yeah and then like when you actually do watch it it just kind of adds more context where it's like the lion king on its own is a fine movie and you know like everybody loves like a relatable villain and even though scar isn't all like completely relatable but like like his like core like emotions like jealousy and stuff it's something that we've all felt and time it's obviously like exaggerated yeah. to a much um heavier and extreme degree right you know as far as killing your brother you know, like to take over ownership which you know it, it, it has happened historically i i don't think it happens very often nowadays i'm, I'm hoping it doesn't but um why are you looking at me like that i don't know um anyways uh but yeah like i think like it would be cool to like have a remake or not necessarily a remake but kind of like a world building film for the Lion King, which is such a beloved classic, right? Like it's just like you have this film, and then it's kind of supplementary to everything because we we get a great idea of who Mufasa is. We know who Simba is because it's Simba's story, but like Scar again is just like it's just kind of there, and it's not to like be like you know oh Scar was a good guy the whole time. It's not about that. It's just about like seeing Scar and like what what drove him to become the way oh, yeah, he absolutely. did and the anim the visual style of this one that I was thinking is basically that 2D animation style but like kind of 3D-ified so it's like you have the same colors as like the other ones where it's like bright oranges yellows all that sort of stuff but like instead of keeping it in the 2D I sorry I guess I'll reword it as the 2D um coloring and color scheming and all that sort of stuff but with the 3D character models and 3D environment models as well, not to the point where it's like hyper-realistic. It's basically like a 3D version of the original one, which I think would be really cool because it still keeps things lighthearted, even though like you see Scar's descent into madness, right? <laughs> and then it's like, it just still would work better because you can still animate them the same way. It still looks very cartoony, like the current like Disney movies. 
and it's not just going to be you know a national geographic documentary with cool voiceovers <laughs> but yeah that was my idea solid it would be nice like uh, to add on to what brian said earlier it, it, it does seem kind of flat where he's just like i want what you want so let me kill you yeah. um but uh yeah i'm bad because like, that's <laughs> just because yeah <laughs> because because but no yeah i definitely like that idea too and then ryan last but not least how would you have redone this remake yeah so i have uh kind of like a timeline split nice. uh in in the 2019 version they added a scene where because <laughs> we needed to know this they added a scene where nala escapes and goes into the uh, oasis where timon and pumbaa are raising simba mm -hmm. i don't know why we needed to see it i guess it was to give Beyonce some more screen time because they wasted her otherwise. <laughs> also, I think it was to add a little bit more suspense because that scene is actually kind of suspenseful because we just saw it where she's just on the rock and Scar is about to like pop up at her, but like, then Zazu like yeah. comes in. It's like, yo, so like Frodo in the cave troll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was kind of cool, but like, yeah, I mean, was it necessary? I, I don't think so. I, we kind of in the original one, you piece together that she got away because you know she's there. Kinda. Anyway, <laughs> so. My version is instead of her leaving, it's her leading all of the other lionesses away as well. So it's not so much I'm going to scout as we're going to escape together. Steve McQueen motorcycle <laughs> style. Um, but when they get away, they're followed by Shenzi. This movie does a really good job and they give Shenzi a bit more to do. She's kind of like a, a lieutenant almost, which is nice. So they, the lionesses get followed by her and uh, sh they go and they find the oasis where Timon and Pumbaa are. And they still have the same conversation, Simba and Nala, about going back. But instead of Simba just flat out refusing, he tries to get them to stay in the oasis with them, saying there's food everywhere, you can stay, you can, everybody can be happy. Um, obviously, Sarabi uh, tells Simba that it's not their place and that they belong at Pride Rock and they don't belong in this wonderful place with all these <laughs> uh, plant-eating animals. So Simba tells... Um, so Robbie, the things can be different, but she's not convinced and it's not natural. You have to follow the circle of life. If we're here, the life, the circle doesn't continue kind of thing. And while they're having this conversation, that's when the hyenas show up with Scar and they have uh, a big battle right at the beginning. And uh, Scar mm -hmm. actually kills Sarabi. And sorry, you said this happens at the Oasis, right? At the Oasis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Neat. That's spooky as heck. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> You can even uh, go as far as to swap out that scene of uh, Nala hunting and swap it for uh, Scar hunting Sarabi instead of Pumbaa. That'd be pretty sweet. Be a nice parallel. Oh, that would be a cool twist, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'd be a great parallel. After Scar kills Sarabi, he basically says to all the other lionesses that they betrayed him, and uh, he tells Nala that she's to blame for Scar or for uh, Sarabi's death because she led them out, and uh, that makes Simba all mad because obviously his mom mm -hmm. is dead. Uh, so he overcomes his guilt and uh, tells Nala that it's not her fault. Basically the same uh, kind of thing where he feels like he's to blame for his father's death, but he's not. Nala obviously isn't to blame for his mother's death. Scar is the, the f at fault both in both uh, cases. So then the same battle uh, occurs uh, and the same fire breaks out. You can have that whole thing where the lightning randomly <laughs> strikes. <laughs> what are the chances? Um, you get you have the same fight, and Scar gets the upper hand, and you do the whole I killed Mephasa bit. And Simba gets them to convince, uh, gets the upper hand back, and Scar tells that he killed Mephasa, and you get that no. whole. And then the fight at the end, instead of it just being Simba versus 
Scar, you get Simba and Nala, so Beyonce gets a little more screen time <laughs> because, again, she's wasted. She sings, like, backing vocals in one song and tells Simba that he should stop being a baby, and that's it. <laughs> so they beat Scar together. He still gets killed by the hyenas, um, and you end the movie with um, Simba and Nala leading all the animals from the Oasis back to Pride Rock so they can rebuild together, and the hyenas stay in the Oasis, and they leave them alone. And then you get the the child raising ceremony at the end yeah fair enough so yeah rafiki basically isn't in my version he just doesn't (laughs) need to be there no yeah it's um that's a great idea too it's like uh like i said like alp and i kind of went with the whole like just scrap what you have and just like (laughs) redo it completely kind of thing yours is more in line with like what the traditional disney remakes have been like so far where it's just at heart, it's the same story, but there is small things here and there that kind of change the movie up and just make it different, right? It's good. Enough, I mean, except for Lady and the Tramp, I, I'm not quite that sure. That needed to they, exist. I think we could do that on one of the podcast oh episodes. I don't want to. We, like, that. we got to. No. I think, I think that could be a very Please interesting God, no. one. It's, uh, I'd rather do Dumbo. Yeah, I, I was uh, genuinely surprised that was, like, supposed to be, like, one of the. Um, that's the part of the starting lineup for Disney Plus's launch, and it was. Uh, it was interesting, I'm to say the least. Head. You could even um, go as far as, uh, because Beauty and the Beast added that, the Beast has a new song, and it actually fits the movie, and mm-hmm. it feels like it's been there the whole time. You could even add a three-pronged song between Simba, Nala, and Sarabi when they all arrive. Oh, yeah. About, oh, yeah. There's room there for About something. family and unification. Yeah, and where you belong Spirit. and stuff like that. Yeah, I that I felt like that happened in this remake, too, and then even in the... um. Even in the Aladdin remake, like Jasmine's song, it just kind of felt like the songs are there, and then they're they're just there though. They they were kind of like plugged in. Like, do they match like the rest of the album or the rest of the soundtracks? Like, not really. No, I thought the Beast song did. Like, I thought the Beast song was good. no, no. The Beast one did for sure. I'm talking more about the Jasmine song from Aladdin and yeah, the, the female empowerment song. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like I'm not quite sure like like if it was more of like a political move or something like that but like the actual like music and like even like when you listen to like the aladdin soundtrack for example the chord progressions like going down onto the way deeper musical level it's they're very similar and they're very like they have similar like even like prince ali and um friend like me for example yeah. those two like have more or less the same yeah, chord it's progression. Like swing it's all throughout but like on top of that it's like they're they're all themed like the same they all have a similar structure to their songs and like the way that you progress from one note to the other almost like a groupie yeah structure. and like and like you know like in aladdin it's a little bit more easy because it's like more of like the stereotypical middle eastern music right so like you have a lot more of those sharps and then yeah. those flats that are plugged in there too right and even in the aladdin remake when you have those other songs they're just kind of like plugged in there they don't really fit with the rest of the bigger picture i found but like um the issues i had with because there were two new songs for this one of them was in the credits it was elton john's never too late yeah and then that i I don't know if that's new i like or if this is like information available that song right off the bat feels like it didn't make the cut for the original one so it just kind of like yeah that is that what happened i'm not no i'm like i'm saying it's like like the b-side of the b-side but um then uh, side? <laughs> it's a two-sided <laughs> and then spirit it was i mean like on its own it's like it's a beyonce song right it just feels like that like classic mid-2010s beyonce but there's no place for it like it doesn't really fit into a montage of two lions running across the desert it just feels like a wasted opportunity and I, i'm sorry i forgot which one you mentioned the three-pronged song like something that, me. like a yeah, like Ryan mentioned, like there were there's a 
beautiful opportunity for that. And this, I feel like Broken Record talked about how like the cast like it's brilliant, brilliant <laughs> um, voice acting cast who are also like great singers kind of don't get that opportunity to show that off outside for like well, maybe three minutes of the movie. Thanks for listening to our rants about The Lion King and our rewrite ideas. Uh, here are just a couple extra sequences that didn't really make it into the main bulk of the episode, but uh, stay tuned for episode two as we'll be talking about the 2005 classic War of the Worlds. Uh, why why does Rafiki pull out his stick and call it his I'm telling you. Was yeah, there like a I remember you brought that up and that right there could have been the Lion King remake where it's Planet of the Apes Rafiki yeah. style and you see him as like, you know, you could have, I feel like even that would have been like more of a, um, uh, like less of a stretch. You know what I mean? Like you could have even had like armored like monkeys fighting armored each other. Armored monkeys. Yeah, like and Rafiki is like the lead general. You could have a you could have vigilante Rafiki and he runs around and just screams in Swahili the whole time. At nighttime, he literally there's just a like little bat trying to live his life, and he comes out of nowhere and breaks his wings like Batman. And he's just like, where were you? This is like, oh my old friend. Like what? What? There's no reason. Like it literally is like, hey, remember the first movie where he hits him in the head with a stick? We remember. Let's not put it in this movie, but we'll have a line that alludes to it. Like why? What? What are you doing? And only real fans will get it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone who knows the true Lion King lore. (laughs) The April. Yeah, I'm telling you. Like I don't. I don't know what. Like you could have even had like a short film if you wanted. Like before another movie where it's the bugs right before they're eaten by young Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa. And that would have been more interesting. You know where they're just chilling, they're vibing, they're having their life, and then the bark gets lifted, and you just see, you see Simba looking down at them, like his cheeks and like excess skin hanging down, right? And he's looking down, it's like, oh my god, what's about to happen? That would have been more of an entertaining. And then we heard, we heard cut to credits, and it's just, <laughs> this is America playing in the background. Oh no.